Hi everybody and welcome to the Golders Podcast, where we aim to sprinkle particles of knowledge by engaging and educating. With your co-hosts, father and son duo, Keith and David Mayer. We're excited to have you on this journey with us and we know our wide variety of world-class guests will provide lots of value for our listeners. To ensure you stay up to date with everything we've got going on on the podcast, make sure you subscribe. Today, we're really excited to welcome on Justin Holbrook onto the Golders podcast. For those that have read our book, you'll know that Justin features heavily in it, and we want to get some of those stories that Justin shared with us out onto this podcast. Justin is now the head coach of the Gold Coast Titans in the NRL, but we got to know Justin when he was the head coach at St. Helens Rugby League Club. Justin arrived at St. Helens when the team was struggling and sat at mid-table. In the two and a half years he spent at the club, he had a win percentage of over 80%. Justin did that with honour and an humbleness that has made him revered in the town of St. Helens. In a recent fans forum, Justin was voted as the greatest coach in the history of a club that spans 147 years, which is pretty good going. Enjoy. Justin, welcome. And uh, listen, mate, thanks for your time. I know uh, technology is wonderful nowadays, isn't it? You know, I'm, I'm in the UK, my David's over in Utah, Salt Lake, and you're over in Australia. You know, technology, fantastic to, uh, to, for us to be able to connect with you again because you featured very heavily in the book. And what we want to do today is draw out, just draw out more of what our experience has been with you uh, so before we actually, you know, dive into the conversation, just share with us a quick summary of your background in coaching. Yeah, sure. Keith. obviously, th- thanks for having me. You know, obviously, um, it was great to contribute to the book, and and I hope it does really well because uh, you you two, you know, amongst you, between yourselves, is is enough to to write our own book without including uh, other other coaches. So uh, you know, very knowledgeable men. So it's great to be on here. Um, look. For myself, coaching, um, obviously, growing up in Australia, rugby league's you know very big sport over here, and um, you know I've been coaching now. I'll be going into my fifteenth year, so I started in the in the lower grades. Well, I started as a captain coach um, at a semi-professional level, and then coached a lot of lower grades, some under twenties at, at different um, NRL clubs and, and reserve grade, and and then I was assistant coach at. The Sydney Roosters, who sort of won the last two competitions over here in Australia, so a very strong club. I spent two and a half great years there, and and then um, got the job over in, in St Helens in the UK, there, the north of England. Spent two and a half years there, and and now obviously returned to Australia to to coach the Gold Coast Titans um, in our competition, the NRL, which is I guess seen as the the premier competition in the world for rugby league. You've touched on your time at the Roosters and then accepting your first big job as a head coach at St. Helens. You landed in the UK on short notice after accepting the job as the head coach of St. Helens. Mid-season, there's been a coaching change and you then come in. How did you build relationships mid-season with this group? Yeah, well, obviously, you know, it's, uh, it all happened so fast, as you said. I think in, in terms of coaching, you know, whether it's football or rugby league or whatever sport, I think you've got to be open to, to I guess, change and opportunities. And and for myself, it wasn't ideal. No, I mean, I was mid-season of our competition here and, and we were on top of the table at the time and everything was going great. But you're not to know where your next opportunity 
is going to come and, and it all happened so quickly. The um, St. Helens had parted ways with their, with their coach and the CEO had flown out to Australia to interview uh, a, a number of coaches and, and I happened to be one of them. And first of all, I'd asked the head coach permission whether I could take the job because it had been mid-season and I was very lucky that, that he was open to it, having he coached in the, the Super League in England himself. Um, so... Yeah, it was quite a whirlwind. I hadn't given a lot of thought prior to, to that, but it was an outstanding opportunity to be able to be, be a head coach. I'd always been a head coach in the lower grades, and, and that's what I'd always loved, being in charge. But as a, a really important stepping stone in my career, I had to be an assistant coach at the top level, which was our NRL competition here in Australia. So to have two and a half years as an assistant NRL coach, learn a lot of the details of the game and coaching. Uh, as an assistant, you don't worry about the the macro decisions, the big picture ones, you, you, you on the details of coaching. And that was a really important learning curve for myself. But then, yeah, to, to have the opportunity open up and within 10 days of, of meeting the CEO, I was on a plane over to, to the UK. And uh, what I did in that short space of time was, was watch as many games as I could. Um, obviously, the fact that they're changing coaches meant that they weren't doing well. They're a proud club, St. Helens, and they'd just been... The last game before I come over, they'd been bundled out of the Challenge Cup, uh, 46-4. So it was a heavy loss um, for them that, that is unexpected of, of their standards. So I had to quickly learn about all my players as quick as I could, as well as touching base with some of the, the coaches and performance staff before I even landed. And then the minute I landed, I only had, uh, I think I landed on a Thursday. I had one, I met the coaches that afternoon and the next day, we had training with the players before we went up to what we have as a magic weekend where every team plays at the one venue we played up at Newcastle, um, St. James's Park. Uh, so I had uh, one training session and in that short amount of time, I wanted to, I guess, prove to the players how excited um, I was about the opportunity to coach them. You know, they were in a bad spot. They weren't sitting well. I think they were eighth in the, in the league and... About building relationships, one thing I wanted to, to let them know was I was leaving a great opportunity to join them. You know, I wasn't a, a coach out of work and wait for an opportunity. I was at the, the leading um, assistant coach at the leading club in the premier competition in here in Australia. So, you know, I wanted to prove to the players that, you know, I was going there for the right reasons that I wanted to get that club going well again. And, and I wanted to, to let the players know that I knew as much about them as I could in, in a short amount of time. So two days after you arrive, you, you go up to Newcastle, win the game convincingly. From then on out, there were a lot of highs in your time as the coach at St. Helens. Two and a half years, you had a lot of success, both on and off the pitch. What did you do to maintain and continue to build those relationships with not only the players, but also the staff that you were working with in that period? Yeah, well... <laughs> When you're sort of, especially in coaching, I think a lot of it's got to come naturally to you. You know, whenever you hear coaches say, oh, I'm a good man manager or good relationships, I think, you know, you've, you've got to have a lot of natural instinct in those areas. And, and you know, I, I talk a lot to Keith and a lot of other coaches. You talk about the X's and the O's and the, the technical side of the game, you know, at the elite levels, everyone's on par in that area. And I guess it's the relationships that you've got to, you know, and, and as leaders, you've got to be influencers. You know, that's what you are as a leader. You influence the players and you've got to have them wanting to to change. And I guess for me, the situation I was in, I had to, you know, we talk about culture a lot. I had to change the culture, change the environment. And 
And as head coach, you know, I was only one person. Everybody else was staying the same in terms of players and staff. So I, I had to lead it and, um, and and get everyone to buy in. Um, lucky enough, I already had great staff there. You know, still had good players. They were just in a you know in a bad environment that that we had to change. And um, in terms of the two and a half year period, it was ongoing. I had lots of highs, but I had lots of disappointments too. You know, it, it took me the two and a half years to to win the Super League title, 2017, the year I got there halfway through the year. Um, as I said, the game before I got there, we got beat 46-4 against the side Castleford, who who finished on top. We finished fourth, played them in the semi-final at their home ground that year and, and got beat in extra time by, by a one-point field goal. So that season, as much as it was high as how far we'd come, it finished with heartache. So 2018, we started on fire and you know, won nearly, nearly every game. And unfortunately, in, in rugby league, different to, to football, you've got to win a grand final. It's not, you know, first pass the post, we finished... Clear a second spot, but lost the semi-final, so bundled out. So it took a, you know, the full two and a half years to, to get the results. And the last year was fantastic. You know, we only lost three games all year. I think we finished 16 points clear a second, which is a, a record in the UK for the games. Been on 124 years, we finished a record gap to second place and won the comp. So to to I guess leave that the club knowing that we've had the best season in the history of the game over there was is rewarding. Um, yeah, a lot of good times, but in terms of how I went about it, yeah, it was just, you know, Keith talks a lot about caring about your players and getting to know them. And, you know, we talk about fawning makes them tick. And, you know, a lot of sport, there's there's no room for variation. You've got to set your standards and principles and you've got to have everyone live by them. But to get that extra little bit at the end, you've got to get to know your players and, and show an interest in them. And, and for me, I'm lucky that comes natural. You know, I think that helps my day, knowing what, what guys are interested in and, and showing an interest in them is not something I have to work at. It's something I enjoy. And, and that helps a lot and it helps with your consistency. That's what you want as a coach. You want to have your sides playing consistent. And, um, and, and when you get that, you know, you're in a good place. And you know, very hard to leave after things like that. You know, it's in a very good place. You've got everything in place in terms of staff and players. And, but, you know, that, that's our job as coaches to, to get ourselves in that spot. You land in England, you meet with all the players. How did you get to know the players? Had you done some groundwork prior to arriving? Well, the most groundwork I could do was, was watch games, you know, and unfortunately, you know, it wasn't good because they weren't winning. And I could see the frustration in the players. And then when I spoke to the staff, I could see that or hear that, that how frustrated the, the staff were. And uh, sometimes you're trying too hard. and, and uh, But other times you just, the environment needs a change. And, you know, my head of performance, Matty Daniels, said a great quote that I use. He said, uh, unfortunately for us, the, the wrong thing has become the right thing to do in terms of how they were living their daily routines and, you know, whether it's turning up late or getting on the bus with the wrong shirt or lots of little things that are getting slipped through that that we had to change. Um, but we had to, you know, for myself, it was, it was show the change for a reason because we want to be successful. You know, it was a proud town, St Helens, and, and they were off the players quickly and, and the players were, you know, trying to have a go at the fans. And I said, well, you're going the wrong way about it. You start playing well and they'll get behind you. So it was a, a, lots of small changes I think I made. One, one change I remember, I, I got rid of the ping pong table, you know, they had in the, in the players' room. And, you know, and that's, a, while it's only a small move, it's a big move to make when you're a new guy and you're the one new person. The players love playing it in between, you know, whether it's a field session and, and gym or first thing in the morning. But 
I said to him, unless you plan on going to the Olympics for ping pong or table tennis, there's no point you're playing it. You know, we're going to get better at rugby league here and upset a couple of the boys that thought they were pretty good at it. But once you start to win games, and I guess the benefit for me was arriving mid-season, I didn't have a full pre-season to change things. We had to change it instantly. And and as you said, Dave, we're lucky enough we had a really good win first game. You know, I only had a short impact with them. And then we, our next game was our biggest rivals in the competition, Wigan. Um, and we scored in the last minute and a half to beat them that night at home. So all of a sudden, the belief in the players is there a lot quicker than than I could have asked for because we had the rewards, we had the you know the wins on the board that they thought, hey, this guy knows what he's talking about. So I guess that helped me uh, in terms of you know I think we won our first four games. So the ones that I guess would have had a slight resistance to the change bought into it pretty quickly. In our book, in chapter six, talked about coaching energy. Can you expand on that and what coaching energy means to you? Yeah, it's it's something, Keith. I'm, you know, I'm massive on. You know, I've, I've talked to you about the the technical side. I think everyone's a bit very good technically in, in coaching in elite sport, no matter what sport it is. But for me, the the difference around it is motivation or effort and energy, all all the effort areas in a game. And for me, as a coach, I believe in. And what I mean by coaching energy is well, players come in in the, in the day and, you know, they're, they're, they're in all different moods. You know, some of them have had a bad night's sleep and one have had young babies and every, everyone's in different moods. And, and for me, we're, you know, we're the first people that they're going to see and we set the tone for the day. And, and the minute, you know, we're in a team meeting before the field, I'm upbeat and I'm excited about what we're going to do that day and I run through it. And, and coaching energy is the players are looking at us first. And if I walk out onto the field and my head down and look a bit miserable, then I guarantee you, without the players giving it much thought, that they follow suit. So I'm big about getting out there, go, hey, how good's this? We're out here doing something we love. And, you know, I'm a big fan of, of Pete Carroll, who coaches in the NFL, the Seahawks. And he talks, he competes. Everything's about competition for him. And, and I was lucky enough to spend a couple of days over there and, and you sit in long video sessions and the minute you go on the field, he's throwing, a, throwing the gridiron ball around and he's the one, in, he's in his 60s and he's, he's up. And that's when I was watching, I said, well, that's coaching energy for me. That's, that's showing the players that you're that excited to be out there and, and they buy into it too. So I, I just think it's a, a huge part of our jobs and, you know, I see one of a, a real importance in the, well, I guess it's setting the standards for, for the day each day, you know, and, and uh, it's a roller coaster ride coaching. You have wins and losses and good training sessions, bad training sessions. You know, it's, it's got everything in it within a week. But, you know, for me, you, you've got to embrace all that. You've got to have, have the energy. You've got to have plenty of energy and the players feed off it. What I'm picking from there is the, if the coaches are flat, then, of course, the energy will project. So the energy has got to come from inside of us to then project into the players. Is that that's basically what you that's what you're saying here, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. And I think I think when it comes to players, um, you know, you do a lot of reading or you witness the the best, you know, in 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 their chosen sport, and and they talk about you know creating their own energy, and they they don't need any extra external, you know, it comes from within, you know, and that's what we want. If we're coaching players, if we're lucky enough to have, in our game, we have 13 on the field and four subs. If we can get 17 players like that, then you don't have to do a lot of coaching 
you know, but you know, you've always got a couple of them and you're always going to have a couple of guys that, that aren't that way. And it's, it's up to us to, to get everybody in that state where they just are really looking forward to, to training. We train every day, you know, you'll always have a day off for recovery and things like that. But for me, it's, it's creating the environment. Players are driving into work knowing, yeah, we're lucky to do what we do and we want to do it well and we want to impress. And, you know, it's, it's all about creating the right environment. And, and for me, you know, the, the best players have that. They, they create their own energy and, and their own effort levels and they don't need any help. And for me, if we can do that as coaches, then that's the way to be successful. Justin, we were lucky enough to spend time in your presence and in the environment you created. We went to practices. We were in team meetings. We saw the crack that the boys had with each other, the enjoyment that was around the group the energy that was in the group in and out of practice. And for us, it was an incredible experience to be around. But what was evident to us, and bear in mind, we're talking about world-class athletes here. You created a learned environment. When you were doing that, did you have set guidelines going in on how you wanted to create it? Or was that something that grew organically as you developed as a group? Yeah, it's a great question. It definitely grew over time, over two and a half years there, I think, to start with, because the, the situation, the, the club we're in, it had to be more coach-driven, more a, a dictatorship, I guess, on how we wanted to play and how we wanted to, to train, intensity-wise, and, and the way we wanted to go about our daily routine. But 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 over time, it became player-driven, and I think that was really important for me as a coach. You know, once you set your your principles and, you know, your standards on everyday performance and then to be able to, to have the luxury of handing over to the players in terms of learning. I mean, I, I learned just as much off them, you know, as you said, but as a coach, you know, you coach younger kids and you do a lot more coaching. When you get higher levels, you, you get to deal with elite players and, and they generally know as much as you do as a coach and you got to include them in it. And once you agree in terms of how you want to play with certain players in your team, then then they're bought into it. And then in terms of learning, then then that's why I get their ideas and input in terms of preview on how we want to do certain things because they're the ones that have got to go out on the field and do it. And, um, I guess so that, that definitely evolved over time. And um, to have, you know, like yourself, David and Keith come in, for me, it wasn't just for you guys to learn. It was for me to learn. You know, I've got some great, um, I guess, ideas. And, and I had a lot of, well, not a lot, but we had a fair few guests come in um, from other sports too, from football and, and rugby union, that because we were obviously doing such a good job at St Helens, people want to come in, in in all areas, whether it be the me- medical side, different physios or different, you know, head of performance guys or, or coaches. So... And always welcome them because at the Sydney Roost in Australia, we always have a lot of, a lot of guests come to training and other coaches and, and you learn so much, you know, we learn off each other. And um, I guess one thing was, that, you know, where we got to as a, as a team and as an organisation was, yeah, we, we did have lots of banter and fun and even during video sessions. And, and I've, I've got no doubt when certain coaches are coming, they'd be thinking, how are these guys sort of winning every week. And then when we'd walk over to training, we'd still be laughing and we'd be having a joke in warm-up and prior to training. But then over time, the players knew when they had to, to switch on. And, you know, when we got into certain parts of training, you know, there there wasn't a lot of coaching needed. Um, the players knew what they had to do and they set their own high expectations. And 
Um, it, it all formed over time into just absolute pleasure to be at every day, and and that's why I, I enjoyed having people come to our our, our practice and, and our organisation because they could see how much all the staff got on well, the players and, and staff interacted really well, and and we were getting results, and that that was the main thing, you know. In in any sport, um, yeah, everyone loves having good relationships but you've got to be successful otherwise there's, you're not going to be around as a player or a coach so you've got to make sure your environment's got the right mix in terms of yeah we're having a good time but we're also working very hard and, and, and getting enough done to make sure we're going to be successful on the weekend and, and long term and being consistent so um, yeah it's probably a combination of all that mate but over time learning is is for everybody you know and I, I learned just as much now as as, as ever so so it's an ongoing thing, which is the best part about it. We we had a, a lot of opportunity to spend, uh, me particularly, in, in hotel Starbucks. We would get our catch-ups, which was excellent. But, you know, your openness and receptive mentality to want to learn from others, well, we, we saw it at first hand. And who have been the, the people who have influenced you on how you approach the game and how you coach? Oh, I think that there's so many, Keith. I think, you know, you, you'll hear a lot of coaches say, you know, from, from their playing days, they pick up things off their coaches and even teammates. You know, I was lucky enough, I wasn't a great player, but I played with some great players and just see how they go about their business. Um, and I guess later in, in life now that, that you know, I'm, I'm at a high level of coaching, it's it's just continual, mate. It's just speak as, as you know, as many people as you can. And, and the relationship was lucky to form with yourself. I mean, it it came out of the blue just through your curiosity, which is a credit to yourself. And, you know, you, you want to you're, – you're a great person to learn from as, as well as learn – you know, you, you love learning. And uh, I think the, the interesting thing for me was, you know – we met and, um, you know, I, I used to love meeting you on days off. You know, we'd have one day off in the middle of the week and we'd have, we'd go down for a, a 45 minute catch up and three hours later we'd leave Starbucks. Um, and I learned more, you know, we always left and you'd thank me for what I shared with you, but I'd always go away just, I guess, recharged and, and couldn't wait to get back into training the next day. So I think that's why as a coach, it's so important because your weeks are so jam-packed in, you know, you, you play a game, you review it, you're preparing, previewing the opposition and, and the weeks are, you feel like you can hardly come up for a breath. But if you then get a day off or a half a day off and, you know, obviously it's, it's good to switch off. But if you can chat to someone outside of your current environment, you can just come in with fresh ideas and, um, you know, even a, a brief one, Last year, we won our, our major semi-final and had a week off before our grand final. And, and I actually flew over to Leinster in Ireland and, and, and spent uh, a day with them in rugby union and spoke to Stuart Lancaster and their staff there. And um, funnily enough, they, they wanted me to go through our semi-final and get ideas off of why we played a certain way. And, and through that discussion, we got to, in our game, rugby league, a scrum, and we get six tackles, rugby union get a phase so they were more likely to have a shot on one play whereas we would build our set but the, the guys the three coaches questioned me why aren't you having a go at a short side here when, when it's open and I said oh because we sort of build the six tackles in and then I went away from it thinking about it and, and sure enough in the grand final I'm doing the preview I said this is a great opportunity if we get a scrum to actually have a shot that rugby union would do and 
and, and, and we scored our first try of the game off that, that night on our biggest stage. So you never know where you're going to get your next learning experience from. But, you know, if, if it's an hour and a half with someone and you go away with one thing, then to be able to implement it is, is brilliant. So I think yeah, never stop learning off anyone, but uh, read and listen as much as you can. But once you, once you find that, a couple of people, like like I've done with with yourself, Keith. I think that the more you you keep talking on, the the better you be as a coach. So listen, you've worked with some world class players and master locksmiths in your particular game and time as a coach. How do you work with those type of players? What's the differences between, you know, those people that can they can just open doors and the ones who are just they're like the chariots. They'll get there, but what's the difference? How do you work with them? Well, they're, they're, they're the special ones in your side, aren't they? That, that, as a coach, you need them. You know, like you said, there's lots of chariots or lots of soldiers that that every side needs and they've got, but you need those couple of special key guys, you know, the, the locksmiths, uh, the mavericks, the, the, the special ones. They make the difference, you know, when the game's even. They're the ones that come up with special plays and... Uh, they're, they're a pleasure to work with, but the key I, I find anyway in my coach is include them. You know, they're the ones on the field that that when you're a coach and you're feeling helpless sitting in the stands watching the game, uh, they're the ones that are in control and and they're the ones that, that are generally the difference. You know, they're the ones that win the big games for you. They're the most confident players because they are that good. Uh, they're always the hardest working. They study the game. And, and as a coach... I think um, don't try and ever think that that you know more than them. And I, you know, I've got a great player on my side here, but I'm going to tell him what to do. I think that's the completely wrong approach. I think that you embrace them, you include them by having lots of conversations on how we want to play. Because if they run on the field and they've already had an involvement and an investment on how you're going to go about things, they've got an emotional attachment to and a responsibility on. Well, I want to do these certain things. So they better work. Otherwise, the coach is going to say, well, hey, this is your idea, mate, some of the time. So my, in my experience, as you said, I've been lucky enough to have some, some of the world's best in our sport of rugby league um, in the time already, you know, just learning coaching. But, yeah, my, my biggest, I guess, um, point would be to include them into how you want to do things because at the end of the day, they're the ones that are going to do it for you and they're the ones that, that win you the games. Mm. The question that was posed around the world-class players and the master locksmiths, in your time at St. Helens, Justin, you didn't really recruit many players. I think maybe three or four players you recruited and you took over a team that were sat mid-table and you turned them into, arguably, I'm a St. Helens fan, so I'm going to say they were the best team in the Super League era. But you've took over them, you've turned it around, and, and I think... That's a credit to you and your ability to develop players and to let them grow. And since you started in 2017, in the middle of 2017, I would argue that you've turned a lot of those players, they've gone from being very good players to being world-class. And I know it's a, it's a joint effort, but I would put a lot of that on your work as a coach in developing people. But moving on to the present, Justin, new job, new role, New challenge. So you're now at the Gold Coast Titans. You've left the rain and the clouds. You're in the Gold Coast with sunshine. And you're now going to be faced with 
some similar challenges, but also different challenges that you were faced with at St. Helens. How do you adapt and how do you adjust to get the most out of yourself, your coaching staff and the players that you're going to be working with? Yeah, well, that's, that's a long answer, David. I think, um, yeah, it's a great point because you do have to adapt. I mean, for myself, and I've seen other coaches do it, where they've been at, at, at assistants at certain clubs and then gone to a different club and said, this is what success is and we have to do this and play this way and train this way. But it doesn't work because you've got to, you're in a completely different environment. You know, I've gone from a, a strong club that were in a bad spot to now I've come to the premier competition. Unfortunately, the, you know, the side's at the bottom of the table and finished last last couple of years. So it's, yeah, as you said, a lot of challenges and I've got to adapt in, you know, I've coached at probably seven or eight different clubs, which which has helped me because it gained a lot of experience. I think if you go from a coach and you've been an assistant at a club, then you go to another club and you've only ever been at one, then you're like, whoa, what, what, what's happened here? I'm lucky enough to to have coached a lot of different places. So um, that, that's put me in good stead. But in terms of yeah, adapting and adopting, you've you got to, as a coach in whatever sport you've got, you've got to coach certain principles you don't change. You know, you can't change the way you think about the sport or the non-negotiables or the hard work, you know, the, the things that haven't changed in rugby league for 124 years about working hard and, you know, working for each other and team-based principles. But in terms of how you're going to play, that that's the biggest way you've got to adapt because you've got different players, you know, different strengths and weaknesses. And, and as I say, that's in any sport. You can have a certain way you want to play, but if your players aren't capable or, or suited to that style, so... I guess my biggest challenge now is, as you said, the environment I'm in now is um, possibly the best place in Australia to live, the Gold Coast. We've got beautiful beaches here. We've got the best climate in, I think, world sport. It's it's coming into winter here and it's mid-20s mid degrees Celsius. So it's it's a beautiful place to be. But but that's not why I'm here. I'm here for rugby league and, and, and we haven't... We're at a, at a club now that... We've got everything in place. The owners, everyone in the front office wants success here, but we've got to transfer onto the field. And, and the critical part of the Gold Coast is a, it's a nice place to live, but the success, there's no success in the, in the teams and in particular you know, in rugby league. So I've got huge challenge, but, but it's exciting. You know, I'm so excited about the opportunity of, of being able to make the difference, adapting in, in how we want to play, but the, the still principles that, that I've always coached by instilling in the players and um, it, it'll be um, ongoing and will improve a lot but it'll take a bit of time but I'll be really excited about the opportunity and as a coach being able to make the biggest difference up here. Mm. We're excited for you, we're excited to follow your journey. Going forward, I think you've got a long time left in your career and things will change. We've spoke about it previously how you have to evolve and adapt for you, what qualities will the culture of the future need to possess? Of oh, real consistency. You know, I talk a lot about that. You know, it's something that I've always been able to still in my teams. And, and it's the, we talk about how you become consistent as a coach with the way your teams play. And it's just through your values and your standards and, and your daily. It's got to be a daily thing. You know, we, we know all as coaches. You know, it just doesn't happen game day. You know, we know it's all week's preparation and, and it's it's how you, as a coach, I think you're a reflection of how your team plays. You know, you always see certain sides, if they play a real uh, 
aggressive, dirty, maybe style. You know, in football, there might be a lot of hacking will take players out. And, you know, you can bet you that's a reflection of that that coach's personality is, is how I think. So as a coach, oh, I believe you're a reflection of the way your team plays. And for me, you know, I, I want some real consistency and, and, and effort. Um, you know, as a coach, uh, two main things I ask for is work hard and, and enjoy it. You know, you've got to enjoy, you know, it is a sport. It is a profession. We're getting paid to do it. But no matter what you do in life, if you don't enjoy it, if you don't get out of bed every day looking forward to what you've got to do, then you won't be good at it. You won't, you won't put in the effort or you won't have the, you know, I talk about emotional attachment to something, you know, and, it was easy to get in St Helens because the whole town lived it. So I said to the players, a great responsibility. Uh, different challenge here, Gold Coast. You've got surfing and surf lifesaving and skateboarding and, and AFL and, and football, you know, soccer and rugby league. And, you know, you've got a million different things going on. But for me, it's my job to to get rugby league the most important part of, of, of our of our life for, for the group in terms of staff and players. And that's what I want to implement. You mentioned earlier in the interview about changing culture. Now, of course, the conversation that we've had over a period of time, changing culture takes a heck of a long time. We speak here about the, you know, the different lifestyle. Uh, are they playing because they like living in the area? Or are they playing because they want to play rugby? Is there anything specifically that you're doing? Any one specific thing that you're that you're aiming to achieve in terms of shifting that mindset, and so therefore it's becoming a it's a natural thing for them to turn up, and you're affecting the culture from inside the players or player individually. Is there anything that you're doing? Is there anything that you've changed from when you were in at St Helens? We had a very successful experience there to where you are now i think the the biggest thing is what what i'll keep the same is as as a coach it's it's what you reward the players for so in terms of how you want to change a culture and change your environment it's 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 what you reward them for is is what they'll repeat so it's a real get away from individual focus or certain areas of the game that yeah, they look pretty and everyone likes to watch it, but it's not what successful teams are built on. So um, for me, it's it's in terms of training, we've had a long pre-season and it's about making it clear what we're going to be rewarding them for. And then over time, that becomes normal. And whenever you, everyone talks about culture and leadership and they're, they're very important, but what you want it to become is normal. So... At St. Helens, we set very high standards and, and everyone did everything the right way, but it became normal. So no one had to try too hard. But at the moment when you change that, you get lots of two steps forward, one step back in, in daily training sessions and, and daily routines. So I guess for, for me, you know, I'll talk about consistency. Once, once you can get that and the players are clear what you're going to reward them for, they'll repeat that. And, that's drilling into them, I guess, all the time and, and making it clear what our values are and making them clear, you know, so they don't have to uh, run to their locker and get the sheet of paper. You know, they can just, you know, it's not rules. You know, Paul, do we have to put a shirt on when we went from the training field back to the ice bars? And, well, you know, I don't want to have a 50-point rule here on how we're going to live our daily lives. Is it the right thing to walk up without a shirt off knowing that there's, you know, cameras around? Well, no, it's not. So it's about choices. For me, and it's about educating them on, 
they make everyone makes choices all day long and I said if you can't you know I can't police you for the eight ten hours you are here and then worrying about the other when you leave here what choices are you making are you stopping at the takeaway shop because you're hungry or are you going for the healthy option you know so it's it's a I guess it's education and and then like similar to what I said about the learning environment then you over time you hand it over to the players so I guess for me it's starting again with all that process and, and that's where I'm at at the moment still in that starting area and then over time you want to hand it over to the players and, and it becomes easier to, to live day in day out Just take, I'm going to change tack slightly if you could go back in time 10 years what advice would you give to your younger self? Fortunately enough in coaching if I look in a coaching sense I'm, I'm really happy um, if, if you want to say to me, go back 20 years, I think as a player, disappointed, I think. But it's also helped my coaching. You know, I fell just short as a player. I played 17, you know, first, first grade games, top, top level games, but and a lot of reserve grade. And that was through just that lack of, you know, when people talk about players that do extras or, you know, just... So I'll always have disappointments around that. But what it has done is put me in great stead to want to be a successful coach. So I've worked really hard in that area. So in terms of my own coaching experience, and I wouldn't change anything because I think I've gone about it the right way. As I said, I started at a semi-professional level and then I got into lower grades and then I worked my way up as an assistant at the top level. Then I went to the second highest competition, which is over in the UK Super League and had success there. And now I've ended up in the Premier competition. So I guess my own advice is keep, keep doing what I'm doing. And I think, enjoy it and, and, and don't rush it you know that, that's my biggest thing and I, I haven't done that so I'm confident in the coaching as you know when you get great players come through at a young age you're just so confident in, in what they're going to do and and why are they confident obviously they've had success back up what they've done coming through and I've been lucky enough to have success at a lot of levels I've coached that which has just opened the next door for me open the next door and it's been an ongoing journey that um you know, I guess when, when you think, you only think of what you'd love to change is the, the couple of years you fall short as a coach, whether, you know, you fall short of the big game and things like that. But that's that's what drives you to be better the next year. So, no no big changes, mate. I'm very fortunate. Well, Justin, we've, we've had, I've known you over two years now. It's been an absolute pleasure getting to know you, getting to know the person. But actually getting to know, and I think that's the important part of it, the magic is getting to know the person rather than the actual persona you know it's a perception that when we meet people as they are they act a certain way but when you get like I have with you it's been it's been really special and uh, so look I thank you for taking part in our little project and you know uh, the book project that David and I have been on and the, the the journey continues and this is part of it so I thank you for that and feel extremely privileged to have you in our life it's special so thank you really appreciate it no no i appreciate you having me on for this podcast and in particular getting to know you guys i think it's um we talk about as coaches you learn off people but you know you you, you two men are, are really impressive and in, in your own fields and you know it was a pleasure to be involved in, in the book gold dust and i think that you know, if you if you boys had your time over, you probably wouldn't need anyone else to be involved in it. You know, there's enough knowledge there, and 
and enough smarts about what's needed to be great coaches. So I think um, you know, you, you'll only go on to bigger, better things. And I'm glad now because of, you know, to have all those times with, with you boys at my facility or, or at Starbucks, I thought, Jesus, so many more people that should be knowing about what you guys have got to offer. So I think it's great. It just gets myself as a coach thinking all the time and, and all other coaches, you know, I guess the, the advice to around coaching is, is is don't rush your own experience you know if you if you're coaching under 10s or 12s and you want to coach premier league in, in football don't try and do it the next year i know that's unrealistic but don't try and skip stages you know i think when you ask me about my coaching i think for me I've, I've always wanted to get where i am but i haven't been in a hurry to do it because if you try and get past the level you're at you won't be successful there and then the next door won't open so i think every time i talk to you guys i, I feel privileged that i'm at this level but i also know that it's a continuation of learning and, and what it does, it gets you excited to get back into it. So I guess, uh, yeah, th- thanks for having me um, yeah. on, the, on the show. And uh, I wish you boys all the best because you've got so much knowledge there. And David's just starting his journey. And Keith, you continue yours. And um, I look forward to seeing where you boys get to with all this because you're, you're outstanding in what you do. Justin, I think from me, from a, a professional standpoint, over... The time that I've got to know you, I've learned a huge amount from you. I'm extremely thankful that we've been able to spend that time with you. But I think from a personal standpoint, for anybody that does know me, I'm a diehard St. Helens fan. And you brought joy into my life, watching the team, supporting. And it meant that much more that I was able to spend time with you and know how you went about your business. But I think for the whole town, what you did for, for a whole town was absolutely incredible. And I'll always be a St. Helens fan. My dad will too. We've had, there's been family rifts because of it. And I blame you for that, Justin. <laughs> but one thing that we will be, we're Gold Coast Titans fans. There's no <laughs> doubt about that. We'll be following you. And wherever you go on your journey, wherever it takes you, we'll be following you. And we thank you for, for sprinkling gold dust in our lives and also within the book and in the podcast too. I know this will be invaluable for people. So from both of us, thank you very much. No, thanks for having me boys, as I said, but you know, it's a, I love my time there in particular St. Ellen's and I guess in, in a coaching sense, you know, keep moving on as a coach, you know, I, I would have loved to have stayed there. I love my time there. We built a great club again and, and the, you know, successful one, but it's, it's about your next challenge as a coach. And that, that's why I've ended up here and, Keep learning, keep keep getting better at what you do and as you boys do and I'll do it myself. So thanks very much. Thanks for tuning into the Golders Podcast today. If you enjoyed this episode and you haven't already subscribed, please do so. Your continued support is highly appreciated and it means so much to us knowing that the content that's being produced is providing value in people's lives. If you would like to know more or get more information from us, you can follow us on Twitter at Gold Dust Podcast. And also you can visit our website at www.goldustmentoring.com. Thank you, everybody.